it's more complicated than just saying, let's build more houses. But yes. there's so many layers to each part of this. Like, it's like, this is like an onion field with layers on each onion, because even saying that, it really comes down to, and I don't know if you want to go in this direction, but the complication of just building houses in the first place. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Level Up. I'm Katie. I'm here with Daniel. Hello, sir. Hello, ma'am. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm in a quiet office for the next 20 or so minutes. The only sound of this podcast. You're in a quiet house. That's true. For the next 20 minutes as well. So, you know. Think of all that extra unused square footage. It's true. Yes. So, all right. Well, let's get into it now that we've established we only have 20 minutes. (laughs) That's true. No time for banter. Get into it. What are we talking about today? All right. Well, I mean, we're not going to like go head first, deep dive, none of that kind of stuff, but we're going to just scratch the surface of an affordable housing discussion. Okay. No deep dive, just shallow and just surface. Yeah. Water play, water play. (laughs) All right. So this, okay. So, I mean, I'll just set the stage. This all stemmed from uh, a post I put up yesterday, um, just talking about like, the very obvious to me gap, and maybe I'm missing something. Like I understand the concept of supply and demand. So we're in Canada, we've got a huge immigration policy or targets of, you know, four to 500,000 people per year for the next several years. Great. So government says that's, that's what's happening. Housing prices are an issue. So let's just build more houses. It's becoming very obvious that all of Canada can't seem to keep up with the requirement of housing that's needed. But I honestly think there's such a massive gap in that line of thinking. I get that adding more supply to the housing market will help regulate home prices. But the fact of the matter is where we're at right now, and I'm talking more so GTA specific, but this is kind of everywhere. Income is nowhere near like at a rate where people can afford the average home price in our city, in our province, and sometimes in our country. And so I just feel like there's such a lack of policy that requires us to like understand what actually needs to be accomplished in order to properly house people in this country. And I know that's a big topic, but anyway, that's just laying it out there. This is not going to be water play at all. Unless we are sticking to a 20 minute, unless this is all just an intro episode and we follow up. This is like part one of a hundred, maybe. (laughs) Well, I I mean, there's, I think the, the truth in what you're saying is it's more complicated than just saying, let's build more houses. But there's so many layers to each part of this. Like, it's like, this is like an onion field with layers on each onion, because even saying that it really comes down to, and I don't know if you want to go in this direction, but the complication of just building houses in the first place, because we can agree that one of, if not the most impactful element of this is increasing supply. It's not the only one, right? And and I and I hear what you're saying that 
even with more supply comes what is very likely an affordability crisis that doesn't get any better if all the prices are out of reach for people. And so with that comes, okay, what's it going to take to build more places for people to live? And in saying that, how do you do it in the private sector, especially where they're built upon actually making sure they're profitable in such a way where Mm -hmm. it's reasonable enough business-wise for them to put shovels in the ground and not lose their shirts, where at the same time, the prices available to the consumer are not so prohibitive that this doesn't address the problem at all. Is that sort of what you were talking about in getting away from? Like, I know that's still a supply conversation, but it's like, okay, if we do deliver supply, can it even be the type of supply that's going to address the affordable affordability? Yeah, because as of now, and and I looked at like reports on new housing in the GTA and the average, this one shocks me. I thought it was much lower, but the average um, price for a new build condo is over a million dollars. And then for a freehold, it's 1.6 something million dollars. And the problem is you need a 200 and something thousand household income in order to afford to buy one of those pre-construction homes, like a $1.1 million house, for example, you need over a quarter million dollars household to buy that. And the average income in Toronto is 85,000. So like to me, and I'm not saying everybody should get a raise up to the amount that they need to buy a house. Like I'm not saying just give away money. I'm just saying that like when government and when... I guess, I mean, I'm getting very political here and I don't usually do that, but like, it's just these like wide, like these sweeping statements about, oh, well, we'll just build more houses. It's like, it's not that simple. And I I just, I feel like people aren't actually, not people, but government and whoever's making these decisions aren't actually thinking about all of the different factors that come into this conversation. Maybe they are. I don't know. Maybe we should bring on like some political politician. I, I mean, I, I I don't want to say they're not thinking about it. I think in a lot of cases, the wrong people are in the room. I think in a lot of cases, yeah. people have enough outlets to point the finger at that it gets them off the hook of doing anything meaningful or terms are short enough that they can get out of the seat before anything gets done. And then you're you're dealing with, you know, just that continuous well, they said this and that screwed everything up. So now I have to fix it before I do something. Um, There was um, an announcement today of a housing plan from the conservative government in this country um, who are not in power right now. And I'm going to stay apolitical on this both ways because lots of people say lots of things with lots of plans, especially when they're about to go into an election. So... Rather than critique whether or not somebody's going to do something, I think what's important is we start to make sure people are having the right conversations about what needs to be done. Because a lot of the discussion is like you were saying, so it's bullshit is what it is. It's bullshit. It's it's people saying we're going to build more houses. Well, that doesn't mean anything. You've got You've got provinces saying a million new houses by such and such a year. Every study on earth has established that's impossible. Like financially, like productively, uh, all the above. It's impossible unless unless the provincial government puts in 
billions of dollars into building these themselves and creating all the jobs well, that go with that's it. That's it too. Yeah. Because like the developers aren't incentivized. Like what, what is in it for them? Other than I know there's, there was a recent announcement this week about GST um, for rental housing, but is that going to incentivize people, developers, builders enough? Maybe, I don't know. Well, it's possible. And I mean, that is, I think, a good step. Now, it's not a step yes. in affordability of owning a home, but I think where I kind of semi, not disagree, but would just add to what you were saying about average income and how can they even buy a place. I mm. agree if we continue to build places that are costing the consumer seven figures, you're 100% right. But for me, affordability needs to start first at making sure everybody has a place to live, like can have a place to live. Because I don't even think we're at that point where people are even able to move no. out of their parents' basement, right? And in a lot of cases, yeah. that's going to mean a rental, which is also a gong show, mind-blowing, prices are insane everywhere there too situation. Mm. And, yeah. and also the whole you know, you said something's missing. Well, the whole that, that that's kind of a good segue to the missing middle, which everyone keeps talking about, which is you don't have these other approaches to building and other types of structures that might be at a lower cost to the consumer and might fit more density into a spot that historically has been one big detached home after another at 5,000 square feet at a time housing five people, right? Because- mm -hmm. Even though this city's expanding and it, as it should, and it's great, and we live outside the city in the burbs, which has already been engulfed by <laughs> development. Yeah. Once you get anywhere close, like an hour's drive worth of downtown, there's not a lot of new land to start putting in big developments of lots of houses and all that. So we have to work in some case mm -hmm. with what we have to get the supply up there. Um, in mm -hmm. my in my opinion. And and I think this no GST on development of rental properties is a good, it's a good immediate, at least they get it kind of an announcement. Will it result in developers saying, great, I'm going to build a rental apartment now? I have no idea. Like, I, I don't know the impact yeah, it has I don't know on what their, the, yeah, their bottom line. I don't know what but, the financials are with that but sort that's of a what, thing. That's what the world needs though, because the impact of that, and you know this already, but for people who might be sort of heard the announcement and don't really understand it. It's when a building is built now, like all these pre-con buildings, a vast majority or at least a large percentage of the units in there are being bought by investors. Mm. They're being bought by investors yeah. who may or may not be renting it out. They're being bought by, you know, it just it's not the kind of thing that's allowing for people to just go and rent at market rate and be trusting that this is a rental unit that, mm -hmm. you know, with all the valid concerns of tenants out there and the yeah. protections they don't have that allows for that. And, and yeah. it cr and creates a safe space for, for the rentals that are very, very lacking in a place where people can't afford to buy. Yeah. Well, and that's it too. Like I, I put something similar, just like a chart on Twitter about this. And again, it got a ton of engagement, which is obvious because Twitter is always engaging with this sort of a post. But one person said like in BC, it's just become the norm that most people like in New York 
can't afford to buy. Like it's a more of a rental city. And so is that just kind of what we have to accept for these larger cities in Canada that like a lot of people just can't afford it. And you just, but at the same time, you need to provide decent rental opportunities to, to people so that they can, as you said, just find a place to live. But then you look to places like New York, where even rental prices are insane. Like you've seen like the, the, the amount that somebody pays for like literally a shoebox. Like, you know, we think our, our condos are small, like go to New York and see what they're working with. So like, is it just, we've got to accept the fact that that's the way our bigger, bigger cities are going or can we actually do something about it? I just think we need to stop promising the big end of the day solutions, like the big end game, here's where we're going to be and focus on the step-by-step improvements to make this mm-hmm. better than what it is. Like that, that's where I think government keeps missing the ball. And in some respect, I mean, even I know like when we work in government relations stuff, like we do suggest little things, but we're always focused on the big end game goal, which is important. Mm-hmm. But if everybody's talking about this end game goal as where we're headed, any little win along the way doesn't seem as impactful. And because of that, the people making the decisions almost, I feel, get lost in not doing those because they're going to be impactful, but not in a way that's going to get them more votes or anybody's going to notice. And I think we need to Mm -hmm. pay more attention to little things like GST being taken off of developments and and development charges being relaxed and first time home buyer rebates going up at the same pace as inflation like mm-hmm. a, a rebate on first time home buyers up to $400,000 is ludicrous i don't care what property you think you're buying in toronto it's there aren't there's zero at $400,000 right mm-hmm. so at a minimum index that to you mean the, for, sorry, the, like the uh, the land transfer tax rebate the, or land transfer 20... tax? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, what, what did oh, I say? Okay. First time, yeah, yeah. Sorry, land transfer tax rebate for first time home buyers. It's four thousand. Yeah, four thousand in Ontario. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. But based on based on up to four hundred thousand dollars in home value. Oh, yeah, because it's a max of four thousand. That's right. Sorry, seventy five or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was just throwing out numbers that I wasn't contextualizing, but basically that. <laughs> That limit has not thing over here. Yeah, I'm just throwing out numbers, but that limit has been in place since it was first introduced. And when it was first introduced, the average price a home buyer might be paying when they're entering the market might have been less or was less than half a million dollars. Well, same with um, down payments, like anything over a million automatically is 20% down payment doesn't matter. So if you're buying a million dollar house, you've got to come up with $200,000 to be able to get along, which I mean, if you're paying like $3,300 for a two bedroom apartment per month currently, I like, I don't know how many people can actually save up $200,000. Like, of course, yes, we've heard from um, sources that parents help pay for this and it comes from down, like all that kind of stuff. What? Sources, our sources tell us we've got, we've got people on the street letting us know. Well, yeah, Yeah. no, that that is, that is where a lot of the money comes from. But yeah, that doesn't make it right. You're right. Um, And and for immigrants coming here, they don't have that. They don't have the support. They're just 
you know, throw it back in there. And that's what somebody said. I forget which platform it was on, but like basically there's videos out there telling immigrants that are planning to come to Canada, like, don't come here because it's such a crap, like it's crappy for housing. You can't, there's no opportunities. Don't, don't fall for it kind of thing. <laughs> like that's what it, that's what we've become. I, I mean, Toronto maybe has started to get there. I, I think it is frustrating and I get that Toronto's the economic engine and center of the country, but center of the world. Well, I, I, I get why people coming from other countries naturally will settle. Like there is more opportunity from an employment. Um, But with that, I I have a little less, and this isn't about immigration. This is just in general. I have less sympathy for the argument of when it seems too close to entitlement to a particular thing versus entitlement to a place to live. Yes, you should have an entitlement to a place to live. No, I don't believe you should be entitled to. I believe I should have I should be able to pay seven hundred thousand to live in the heart of the city. No, you, you but know I, what I, I mean? yeah. and I, and I'm not no, suggesting most people are saying that, but I think people on both sides of this argument get as as with everything else, they get too caught up in the absolute nature of this argument where it's like it's either impossible or, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. You can live here for sure. There's a place to live. Just, you know, lower your expectations. Both are not accurate, right? Like both are just a little bit farther from where they need to be. And government's similar. I mean, government's the root of the both sides of the spectrum argument. And it's nice to see different parties, at least understanding there's an issue. But, you know, when these things come to voting on how you're going to pass the next policy or like right just now Toronto just increased land transfer tax for what they call luxury homes, which is defined as 3 million and above, which yes, it's luxury for us. And it's more expensive than most people's homes. But as the average property moves up, you know, people, there's more and more people falling into that. And it's probably okay that if you're going to take from anybody, take from the people who can afford it. But as you increase your revenue there, give something back for the people who are coming into the market. For example, these first-time home buyers and people who are able to get rebates when they come in. The yeah. thing is, none of these in isolation are going to come close to chipping at the problem. Like These are examples of baby steps. Just because you increase a rebate on land transfer tax and somebody saves an extra 20 grand, when they need to spend a million instead of the 600 they can afford... 20 grand doesn't go very far, right? Mm -hmm. But you need to start somewhere. Like you can't just keep saying we're going to build houses to your point that are going to be probably too expensive anyway and not built anywhere near the rate that's being announced. Like to think, and we won't get into green belt. That's a whole discussion for another day. That's maybe not even a discussion for another day. That'll get too political. But I mean, (laughs) development wise, there's ways to do it. And there's people who want to put shovels in grounds and they don't need to be green belt ground, right? Yeah. But there needs to be an understanding of what the roadblock is to getting that done. And then subsequent to that, what is going to impact those being even accessible or available to people who need the homes right now, who you're building this supply for to take off the strain? Because then you factor in the economy itself and interest rates and how hard that's making affordability on top of everything it's a perfect storm of crap yeah like a, well that's it there's a, a lot of 
before the interest rate. Yeah. It's tough. Well, yeah. And that's, that's another thing that somebody had, had said, well, the interest rates will help to decrease prices, but it's like, but interest rates are offsetting the price savings that a buyer is getting through higher interest rates. You know, like, it's almost like it's, it's no different. It's just you're paying more interest as opposed to a higher, a higher priced home. So it's, and it's impacting yeah. the amount of supply again, like as a seller who knows they're going to have to renegotiate or who knows they're going to need another place to live. Yeah. Less That's it. People are holding on. Prices are coming down, right? As a result mm. of this, they're saying, "F it. If I don't need to sell, yeah. I'm staying." Which yeah. means prices don't really come down that much because exactly. there's such limited yeah. supply out there. So yeah, it's it's a gong yeah. show. I'm happy we're not going to title this episode <laughs> "The Solution to the Affordability Problem" because I don't envy the people who have to make the decisions, but. I think no. the and 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 this is not meant to be name droppy, but I heard from Toronto City Manager a couple of days ago, and he did make a really important point, which I hope they live by, which is there's no more time left. Like people have talked about yeah. it and thrown out things and all these things, but they're out of time now. Like now we're at a tipping point where if you don't actually do something, like more studies and more things like that like you can't now we're like brimming it's like past that point of no return where you've got to do something or it's going to be catastrophic which some would argue it already is i don't know if i'd go that far but i do think we've got a serious crisis that needs to be addressed with right now moves at all levels of government mm -hmm. i agree yeah. I mean, there's just a lot, a lot there. Yeah. I think it's just a matter of, it's, it's just, it's almost like when politics gets involved, it just starts screwing everything up, you know, like you just need like a group of people that have no affiliation to anything. Are you, are you organizing a mob right now? Are, are you like, is there a code <laughs> in what you're saying? Are we going to have like people with pitchforks, like running down young street? No. No, I'm just saying, like, as you were talking about before, like the short term thinking, a lot of times it's hard to very hard to get away from. Like, I mean, politicians are in a between a rock and a hard place because, you know, they want to stay in power, but at the same time, they want to make change, but they can't do that because the people that are, you know, supporting and funding them are against the long-term solutions. I don't know. Anyway, I know this is getting too political. It's just, yeah, it's just well, a very yeah. difficult, challenging situation at the end of the day. It and, is. You know, it is talking tough. more about it is good. Talking more about it, different solutions, <laughs> different ideas. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's useful. And the positive that can come from this is I do believe maybe just because I'm watching more now, the conversation is happening in more of an out there and universal way with everybody where it's been recognized. Mm -hmm. At least now we've identified we have a problem, right? The first step of the 12 step program is admit you have a problem. And I don't think there's anybody out there who's a housing crisis denier right now. Yeah. But with right. that being said, act on it right mm -hmm. now, right? And be accountable the only way to me a government can be accountable is if the goals are short term and actually have deliverables within their term. Because how are you accountable if you're out the door after the promise that you've made, right? Like look at the Eglinton, right. like look at all the projects that have gone on for 10, 15 mm -hmm. years. How many regimes have changed who can now just blame everybody else and say they're here to try to clean it up? Like 
Yeah. That that's I think the concept that has run out of time right now. You can't wait another two years, four years, whatever, for someone else to continue the plan that has no measurable, you know, benchmarks along the way. Obviously, it's a goal that's not going to be solved in two or four years, right? Like everyone's not going to have a home, but you need to have things along the way that are going to push you in the right direction. And I do think there's an understanding, you know, municipally, provincially, and federally, and hopefully to our listeners in the States, they don't have the same crisis, but if they do, I hope your governments are doing the same thing. There's no, there's no polarizing government or, or political opinions in the States, so they should be fine. Oh, everybody's they're, kumbaya they're, they're good so, so they're good we we could take a page out of their book where it's just one love one heart let's get together and feel all right yep that was my closing words with basically completely not telling the truth <laughs> anyway all right well thanks for listening everyone let us know your thoughts in the comments or send us a message at level up for realtors on instagram we'd love to hear from you I know it's a big issue and um, yeah, maybe we'll solve it together one podcast episode at a time. Sounds good. All right. All right. Until next Have week, a good day. everybody. Bye. Level up, level up, level up. Level up.